نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise him, seek his assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah From the evil of ourselves And the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides There is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray There is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger uh, this evening we'd like to continue our discussion concerning the practical application of some of the matters related to classification of hadith under the topic of Mustala hadith uh, and actually it is our hope during these next few weeks during the month of Ramadan to discuss particularly some hadith which are related to fasting in particular or to the month of Ramadan and there are some hadith which perhaps we will talk about uh, in the coming weeks from amongst them those hadith which are very widely circulated uh, often we will find them in the books written about fasting and you will hear them in the speeches in the masjid, in the masjids and in the khutbah uh, they are usually being mentioned Although these hadith which we want to talk about are hadith which are not authentic, they are not sahih. And the purpose of our discussion is number one, to point out the fact that these are not authentic sayings of the Prophet ﷺ, even though many people are mentioning them in their lectures and speeches and books. And number two, the second objective of our discussion is to refresh our memories concerning the technical terminologies of Mustalah Hadith and to clarify the definitions of those terminologies wherever it may not be clear. Uh, perhaps there is no time tonight due to the lateness of beginning but at least just quickly to mention some of the Hadith which we would like to discuss in some detail in the future lectures. And amongst them is the hadith which is reported from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam مَنْ أَفْتَرَ يَوْمٍ مِنْ رَمَضَانٍ مِنْ غَيْرِ عُذْرٍ That whoever breaks the fast of one day in the month of Ramadan without an excuse, without a legal excuse, يعني an excuse from the sharia, that is, such as the person is traveling or sick or otherwise. 
Whoever breaks the fast of one day in the month of Ramadan without an excuse, وَلَا مَرْضٍ And they are not sick. لَمْ يَقْدِهِ سَوْمَ الدَّهْرِ وَإِنْصَامَهُ Then he wouldn't be able to make up for that day even if he fasted for the whole year. And whoever during this month of Ramadan breaks the fast, they began the fast and during the day they broke the fast without a legitimate reason. Even if they fasted for a whole year, it wouldn't make up for that day which they missed. This hadith has been mentioned in many places and it is often quoted in lectures and speeches and khutbah related to Ramadan. And it has even led many people to believe, it has, or many people have been led to believe that it is authentic. Because one of the scholars who mentioned the hadith is Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah. But Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, mentioned this hadith not as one of the hadith from his Sahih, from his book, Al-Jami al-Sahih. But he mentioned it as a hadith mu'allaq. And we discussed what is the meaning of mu'allaq, and a mu'allaq hadith is not an authentic hadith. And it is not part of the Sahih of al-Bukhari, but many people quoted it and they said, Rawahu al-Bukhari. It is narrated by Bukhari. But they didn't clarify that Bukhari mentioned this hadith not as one of the authentic hadith from his book, but he mentioned it as a hadith in a title, in a chapter heading, Mu'allaq, without a complete chain. And that hadith is not sahih. This is one of the hadith, inshallah, that we would like to talk about. Another hadith which has been quoted often is Sumu, Tasahu, fast, and improve your health. It is also mentioned by many people as one of the reasons why we should fast, because fasting improves your health. And likewise, it is not an authentic hadith, it is a very, very weak hadith, which shouldn't be attributed to the Prophet And another of those hadith, which we'd like to talk about in some detail, is that which has been reported or attributed to the Prophet لو يعلم العباد ما في رمضان لتمنت أمتي أن يكون رمضان السنة كلها that if Al-Ibad, the slaves of Allah, the servants, the people, if they know what is included in Ramadan, yani of benefits, if they know what were the good things of Ramadan, then they would have hoped, or my ummah, my, my nation or my community would have hoped that the Ramadan would last for the whole year. That Ramadan would be lasting for the whole year. And then he said, Inna al-Jannah and Ramadan is decorated or beautified from the beginning of the year until the next. And this hadith is also often quoted and it is not an authentic hadith of the Prophet Another of those hadith which is probably one of the most famous of hadith quoted or attributed to the Prophet is reported through many different chains of narration is that which has been attributed or narrated from Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu and I should note here that whenever somebody says that a hadith is reported from a sahabi any one of the companions of the Prophet وسلم, and then we say that hadith is daif, it is weak or it is fabricated we shouldn't understand from this that the Sahabi, he is being accused of reporting something falsely or incorrectly. No. 
But the people who fabricated it, or the people who made the error in reporting it, they attributed it to a Sahabi. And they attributed it to the Prophet And there's no blame on the Sahabi who is included in that chain of narrators. But it is the people who came after him who either made the error in that narration or the fabrication of it. So they have said that Salman radiallahu anhu reported from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi That a great month has come upon you. Shahrun fihi laylatun khayrun min alfi shahr. And that month it, can, it includes a night which is better than a thousand months. And here also we should note that because the hadith has been judged by the scholars of hadith as being weak or fabricated, it doesn't necessarily mean that anything quoted in that hadith has to be incorrect. Some people may fabricate hadith and they may say, they may make a statement that is true. But it's not really a statement from the Prophet And that's why we say it is weak. Yani being attributed to the Prophet is not confirmed as being a saying of his. Although it may contain something of truth, such as this statement, that this month is a month which contains a night which is better than a thousand months. No doubt, it is a true statement, based on the Qur'an as well as Sunnah. But this particular report, as it has been transmitted to us, is not authentically attributed to the Prophet He said, جَعَلَ اللَّهِ سِيَامَهُ فَرِيضًا وَقِيَامَ لَيْلِهِ فَطَوَّعًا Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made fasting in this month obligatory. And He has made standing in its night voluntary. And this is also a true statement that the fast in Ramadan is obligatory. And standing in the night in the Salat al-Qiyam or Tahajjid or Taraweeh by whatever name we might call it, it is also, it is voluntary. مَنْ تَقَرَّبَ فِيهِ بِخَصْلَةٍ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ كَانَ كَمَنْ and whoever seeks to get near to Allah by doing some good deed, some يعني, deed of goodness, then it, would, it will be as though he has done an obligatory deed in any other time. Yani whoever does a voluntary deed in the month of Ramadan, it will be as though it is equal to performing an obligatory deed in any other time. وَمَنْ أَدَّى فَرِيضَةً فِيهِ and whoever performed an obligatory deed in this month, it will be as though he has performed 70 obligatory deeds in any other month. And it is a month, the beginning of it is rahma, mercy, the middle of it is maghfira, forgiveness, and the end of it is itq min al-nar or being freed from the fire. This hadith is not authentically reported from the Prophet ﷺ and especially the last words which we mentioned and it's a lengthy hadith, this is not even the whole of it but especially the last words which we mentioned in all of the khutbahs probably the people are saying that this month the beginning of it is Rahman, the middle of it is Maghfir and the end of it is itq min al-nar and it has not been يعني, reported authentically from the Prophet ﷺ. In any case, these are some of the hadith, and there are many others that we want to discuss during the next few weeks uh, related to fasting in Ramadan and particularly related to Mustalah hadith. But in the next few moments, uh, we'd like to take a hadith which was brought up some time ago, maybe one month ago. And Jazakallah khair, Brother Ahmed, he, has, he reminded me 
uh, on Friday about this hadith which uh, on, in one of the Friday lectures someone asked about the uh, practice of wiping over the face when one makes dua or supplication is it proper to wipe over your face and at that time I said uh, I don't remember the exact words but the meaning of what I said is that uh, it is not correct it is not authentically reported from the Prophet except in a particular or specific occasion and that is the Prophet used to make dua and wipe over his face at the time of going to sleep he used to recite the chapters, the last chapters of Quran and he used to blow into his hands and he used to wipe over his whole body from the top until the bottom uh, one of the brothers said that as far as he knows the hadith is actually correct, it is authentic and he said that it was mentioned by Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajj Al-Asqalani in Bulug Al-Muram I said at that time if, if the Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajj Al-Asqalani said that then we should go back and look at it but as far as what I know the hadith is not sahih that's what I remember but we will check it when we went to look for it we couldn't find the hadith in Bulug Al-Muram I looked for it but I didn't find it and that brother didn't come back again so there was no way to ask him but Alhamdulillah our brother he searched for the hadith and he found it and he called me and told me that it is there in Bulug al-Maram and, uh, and he gave me the reference for it where it was at and I checked it and I found that it was actually there and Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani did say the hadith was Hassan uh, but he also informed me that he did some research and he found that other scholars didn't agree with that conclusion and it caused me to go back and look and I searched in a number of places and I found some things related to this hadith and that's what I want to discuss in the time that is remaining uh, because it is a very common practice amongst the Muslims at the time of supplicating to wipe over the face then I thought that it was worth mentioning this hadith and especially because there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars concerning it and this is a good chance for us to understand how did the scholars of hadith apply the rules of mustalah to determine if a hadith is really authentic or not how did they apply it and why did they differ and how can we ourselves after we go back and look at what the scholars said how can we know which opinion is the correct opinion if we look at what we studied in Mustalah Hadith in the past few months then this discussion will be clear to us and we will come to know the correct opinion concerning this practice of wiping over the face it is reported by uh, Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajar Iskalani in his book Bulug al-Muram which is a book of Ahkam Hadith related to rulings and judgments in uh, Islamic matters and that book has many explanations the most famous of them is Subh al-Salam Subh al-Salam by Imam Muhammad ibn Ali al-Sana'ani here the hadith that the brother was referring to in Surah Salam or in Balugh al-Muram it is quoted from Umar radiallahu anhu ta'ala radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal kana rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam idha madda yadayhi fi dua lam yaruddahuma hatta yamsah bihima wajha Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, whenever he used to put forth his hands stretch out his hands to make supplication he never used to put them down until he wiped his face with them until he wiped his face with them meaning that whenever he supplicated he used to 
before he finished his supplication or at the end of his supplication, he would wipe his face. أَخْرَجُهُ أَتْرْمِذِي وَلَهُ الشَّوَاهِدْ مِنْهَا حديث ابن عباس Then Al-Hafiz Rahimahullah says This hadith has been reported by Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi And it has shawahid It has supporting narrations Which are in agreement with it But support it and from amongst those narrations Is the hadith of Ibn Abbas Radiallahu anhuma May Allah be pleased with him and his father In the Abi Dawood And that hadith يعني the supporting hadith from amongst them is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas and Allah be pleased with him and his father which is reported in the Sunan of Abu Dawood and also there are others supporting narrations and he says without mentioning them from amongst them is that which is reported in the Sunan of Ibn Majah and he says وَمَجْمُعُهَا يَقْضِي أَوْ يَقْتَدِي أَنْهُ حَدِيثٍ حَسَنٍ it says بِأَنَّهُ حَدِيثٌ حَسَنٌ وَلَكِنْ It is as though this is a mistake maybe in the printing It should be أَنَّهُ حَدِيثٌ حَسَنٌ يعني But these narrations The one from Umar al-Khattab رضي الله عنه Reported in the Sunan of Abu of, of Tirmidhi The narration of Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما Reported in the Sunan of Abu Dawood And others The narration reported in Ibn Majah and a third hadith, which is also reported in the Surah Ibn, Ibn uh, Abu Dawood, it is on the authority of Sa'id Ibn Yazid from his father, radiallahu anhum. He said that these various narrations together, majmu'uha, yani, as a group, they support one another, and from that we determine that the hadith is hasan. That the hadith is hasan. It is a good and acceptable hadith that can be applied in Islamic matters or in Islamic rulings and based on this this was the basis of the statement of the brother saying that that practice is correct and that there is a hadith uh, which verifies it in Bulugh Muram now even though Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani considered this hadith to be hasan because of the collection of other narrations supporting it as we said, when we study Mustalah Hadith, it is very important to keep in mind an important principle that a Hadith, which is Hassan لِغَيْرِهِ which is what he is saying here, the Hadith is Hassan لِغَيْرِهِ is Hassan because of other supporting narrations but that Hadith originally is Da'if but because there are other supporting narrations the doubt that we had about its authenticity is removed and we consider it to be a Hassan Hadith but we said that there, is a, there are conditions and of the conditions for hadith which is da'if to be raised up to hasan is that the defect in it or the weakness in that hadith should only be a minor defect not a major defect it should be something like a narrator who has a weak memory or one who is majhul and we don't know about his credibility as a narrator whether he has a good memory or not and so on like this but not a hadith where someone has been accused of lying or someone has fabricated hadith or someone is matruq or, or major defects cannot be raised up no matter how many other asanid you bring for it because a very weak hadith we cannot consider it to be authentic or hasan no matter what anyone may bring to support it only when it has a minor defect this is the basic rule of mustalah hadith so here in this hadith if we examine the defect in the hadith to know what is the defect? It will become more clear to us whether or not it is possible through these various narrations being collected together that will be raised up. 
Ahmed, do you have something to give us concerning this matter? You have done some uh, research concerning it. What conclusion did you come to, if you can just tell us? Did you find the hadith to be hasan or to be otherwise? Based on what the scholars said about it. Okay, so this is basically what we are saying. That if the hadith has supporting narrations, but they are all very weak, then a weak, a very weak, uh, defective hadith cannot be supported even by other narrations, especially when those other narrations are equally weak, are equally defective. In any case, I found the hadith in a number of places from amongst them, Jami al-Saghir, by Al-Imam al-Suyuti, Jami al-Saghir, and Shaykh al-Albani mentioned that hadith in his grading of the hadith of Al-Jami al-Saghir, Da'if al-Jami al-Saghir, page 640, hadith number 4412, and he said that hadith which is reported by Al-Tirmidhi and Al-Hakim from, from Ibn Umar, and also from Abdul Ibn Umar, that it is Da'if Jiddan, very weak. And also, I looked in the Sunan of Al-Tirmidhi, and I found this hadith, Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi, rahimahullah, said this hadith, هَذَا حَدِيثٌ غَرِيبٌ And in some of the copies they said that this hadith is حَسَن غَرِيبٌ or صَحِيْ غَرِيبٌ And we said that a غَرِيب hadith means that the hadith came through one chain of narratives. Yani at some level of the chain of narratives there was only one person who reported it and that the غَرِيب hadith generally is considered to be a weak hadith but not in every case. It depends after examining the isnad whether or not it would, what it would be determined as. This hadith is the hadith of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhum and it is reported by At-Tirmidhi and At-Tirmidhi also said concerning this hadith لا نعرفه إلا من حديث حماد ibn عيسى وقد تفرد به وهو قليل الحديث وقد حدث عنه الناس يعني الإمام At-Tirmidhi says that this hadith is غريب and we don't know about it. We didn't come to know this hadith except from one person. Yani, it came through one person, that is Hamad ibn Isa. And he, has, he is the single person, tafarrada bihi, he is the single person who narrated it. Nobody else reported this hadith. And he is qalil hadith. That means he wasn't well known for narrating hadith. He reported only few hadith. Even though some of the scholars reported from him. So here in this narration, in this chain, from Tirmidhi, the one that is reported by Al-Hafiz in Bulugh al-Maram, there is a narrator in the chain named Hamad ibn Isa. And if he is the person who alone narrated, it's important to know what was his grade as a narrator. Was he a strong narrator, weak narrator, or whatever. And when we examine the reports concerning him, we'll see that not only was he weak, but he was extremely weak. Likewise, there is a report in the Sunan of Abu Dawood, and that one is from... Yazid, uh, who said a hadith of similar meaning, he said, Kana, yani meaning the Prophet Kana either da'a, farafa yadehi, masaha wajhahu biyadehi. Yani whenever he used to supplicate and raise up his hands, he would wipe his face with his hands. And this hadith includes in the Isnad Abdullah ibn Lahiyah, and Abdullah ibn Lahiyah, he is 
considered by any unanimous opinion to be da'id, a weak narrator. His, his hadith shouldn't be accepted unless there are stronger narrations supporting him. And also in the chain of narration for this hadith is Hafs ibn Hashim and he is majhul. And we said that a, a narrator that's majhul, it means that he is uncertified. Majhul is of two types primarily, majhul al-ayn and majhul al-hal. Majhul al-ayn means that only one person narrated from that, per, that uh, reporter, only one person narrated from him, and they didn't give him any certification as being an acceptable or reliable reporter. And majhul al-hal means two or more. And he may be more people narrated from him, but also none of them certified him. Majhul, some people narrate majhul as unknown, an unknown narrator, but that's not the meaning of majhul. Majhul means we know who he is, but we don't know about his credibility as a reporter. Is he acceptable or not? So in this chain, the second chain in Abu Dawood, there are two narrators, Abdullah ibn Lahiya, who is da'if, weak, and as well there's Hafs ibn Hashim, who is majhul. We don't know if he is an acceptable narrator. And either of these two, one alone is sufficient to reject the hadith, it couldn't be used as a proof. When there are two, then the defect of the hadith is multiplied and it becomes even much more weak. The third narration is the hadith of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, which is reported in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, in the Da'if of Ibn Majah, page 313, hadith in A44, or in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, uh, hadith number 3866. And Shaykh al-Bani said this hadith is Da'if. The wording of the hadith is similar. إِذَا دَعَوْتَ اللَّهِ فَدْعُوا بِبُطُونِ كَفَيْهِ That if you supplicate to Allah, and it has also been narrated in the plural. And here it's in the singular, it's also narrated in the plural. If you supplicate to Allah, then supplicate Him with the inner sides of your palms. And you're raising your hands in this way. وَلَا تَدْعُوا بِظُهُورِهِمَا And don't supplicate Allah with the outside of your hands in this way. But it should be this way. فَإِذَا فَرَقْتَ And this is the part of the hadith that is important. But when you finish from your supplication, فَمْسَحْ بِهِمَا وَجْحَكْ Then wipe your face with your two, with the palms of your hands. And this hadith is also mentioned by Imam al-Suyuti and al-Jami al-Saghir. And it is also a weak hadith in the Isnad. It contains a narrative named Salih ibn Hassan. Salih ibn Hassan, who is matruq according to some of the scholars, and muttaham bin kathib according to others. Ten minutes, Jazakallah khair. Uh, so, yani this is yani, a brief summary but not the complete discussion of the matter. There's only a few moments remaining, so just quickly to mention some of the statements of some of the scholars concerning the narratives here. Uh, even yani, some of these narrations, the narration reported by Ibn Majah and the narration reported by Abu Dawood, are also collected uh, in Shah Sunnah by Imam al baghawi and the one, the Shaykh, Shaykh Shwaib al-Aranaut who did the checking of the hadith and they also said that the Isnad for these hadith are da'if. And Al-Imam al-Bukhari said that Salih ibn Hassan, who is the reporter in the narration of Ibn Majah, that he is munkar al-hadith. Yani very, very weak and highly, yani very much rejected. And Al-Imam Abu Dawood said that this hadith has been narrated through various chains Yani all of them are extremely weak. All of them are extremely weak. So, yani, uh, from here we can see that these narrations, though they are more than uh, one, they are supporting one another, but yet uh, we cannot find even one of them being a strong report. 
concerning Hamad ibn Isa, who was in the chain of Imam At-Tirmidhi, At-Tirmidhi in this in this copy of his book said the hadith is Sahih Gharib. But we don't know about this hadith coming through any narrator except Hamad ibn Isa, and he has narrated alone, and he has narrated few hadith, though some of the scholars have reported from him. Shaykh al-Bani said, in spite of this statement by Imam al-Tirmidhi, no doubt this Hamad, he is da'if, as mentioned by al-Hafiz ibn Hajjah himself. Al-Hafiz ibn Hajjah himself said in his book Taqrib, the reporters, the biographies of the reporters from the Qutb al-Sitta, he said that Hamad is da'if. And likewise, he said the same in his larger book, Tahdeeb. The great scholar Ibn Na'im, Rahimahullah, said that Hamad is Shaykh Sali. And he is a Shaykh, meaning that he has narrated some hadith, and he is Sali, meaning in reference to his character. But he didn't talk about his reliability as a report of hadith. Abu Hatim said he is Da'if al hadith, and his hadith should not be accepted. Abu Da'ud said, Da'if. Rawa a hadith manakir, that he is Da'if, and he has narrated hadith. Manakir, Munkar, very, very weak and rejected hadith which can never be raised up. Al-Hakam said, Al-Hakam in his book Mustadrak said that he has, that this uh, Hamad has narrated from Ibn Juraid and Ja'far ibn Sadiq a hadith mawdu'ah, that he has, he has narrated hadith which are fabricated. Whether he's the one who fabricated or someone else, he has reported them. And Ad-Darqutni, the great scholar of Ilal al-Hadith, said that he is da'if. He has also said that he has, has, is da'if. And even Ibn Hibban said, that that it's not permissible to use the hadith which he has reported as a proof in the deen. And one of the, one of the scholars said, Ibn Ma'akula, he said, that the scholars in general have rejected his hadith as being da'if. Here Shaykh al-Bani said that such a hadith which has this kind of classification, then not only we can't say it's sahih, as in this nuskha, he said that it's Sahih Gharib, but we can't even say that it is Hassan. And such a weak hadith as this, it cannot be raised up by supporting evidences. Concerning the narration in Ibn Majah, we said that in the Isnara two reporters, Ibn Lahiyah, Lahiyah who is Da'if, and Hafs, Ibn Hashim, Ibn Utbah, Ibn Abi, Waqas, and he is Majhul. Here the Shaykh says that these two defects are more than sufficient to reject the hadith and that it cannot be raised up even when it is supported by other narrations due to the seriousness of the defect. And finally, the narration of Ibn Majah, Sali ibn Hassan, concerning him, the scholar says that he is matruq and that he is mutahm bil kadir. And says that he has narrated fabricated hadith. So if we look at these reports, yani, as we have quickly reviewed them, you'll see that the defects and each of these chains of narration, each of them are severe, severely yani, defective and none of them should be allowed to support one another. And therefore, we return to our conclusion that this hadith of wiping over the face as a general practice of the Prophet ﷺ after supplicating 
it doesn't have any authentic narration supporting it. Therefore, it shouldn't be practiced. A Muslim shouldn't practice this when we know that it is not authentically uh, attributed or it is not authentically transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ, except in the case where there is an authentic narration which specified on a particular occasion such as at the time of sleeping that the Prophet ﷺ used to do so. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك. If there are any comments or questions before the adhan, if we have the adhan, we shouldn't delay to take some light uh, iftar dates or whatever is available, something to drink, and go to pray. And after we pray Maghrib, as is our habit, inshallah, we'll come back and have something to eat after Maghrib. This is a long question that requires a lengthy discussion. And it should be a full topic. The effects of the weak and fabricated hadith on the, on the deen of Islam and the unity or disunity of the Muslims. It's clear that the weak hadith and fabricated hadith, both of them are not, it's not lawful to use them as a proof in the deen, except the weak hadith which has only a minor defect, according to some of the scholars who accepted it, but with conditions. And those conditions we discussed in the past, there's not time to discuss it now, maybe on another occasion. Uh, in general, we shouldn't use those as a proof in the deen. And the effect on the deen is that they are the major cause of innovation in the deen of Islam. Weak hadith and fabricated hadith are the primary and foremost cause for innovation in Islam. Most of the innovations in Islam came from fabricated hadith or weak hadith which are not authentically uh, transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ. And as for the unity of the Muslims, it is also one of, the major, one of the major causes of this unity of the Muslims in that the people who try to follow the correct sunnah that has been correctly and authentically confirmed from the Prophet ﷺ will always be in conflict with those who want to practice in the deen whatever has been attributed to the Prophet ﷺ without consideration of whether or not it's authentic or otherwise. There will always be conflict because people will say there's a hadith without consideration of the fact that the hadith is fabricated. It is a fabrication. And then they will argue and dispute with people who will try to inform them or advise them to avoid these practices that are, have been falsely attributed to the Prophet This is the summary and the answer to your question, though the topic requires a lengthy discussion if there is a time or a chance sometime in the future. Any other comment or correction or question? Now, it's not a total contradiction if we understand something related to the Hadith Hassan. The Hadith Hassan is the Hadith which the scholars said it is the most difficult Hadith to determine its real grade. Because in the earlier generations, in the first generation of the Muslims, the scholars used to say Hadith was Sahih or Da'if. It was authentic or rejected, one or the other. But later, it became very, very popular by, in the time of Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi to make a third classification in between the two. And those hadith sometimes are very close to being accepted and as well close to being rejected. So the scholars often differed concerning them. The hadith Hassan, there's a great difference about it and it has to be examined carefully. The fact that he said an area is da'if doesn't necessarily mean that every hadith which he reports has to be rejected. If the weakness of that narrator is not that severe, then perhaps, as Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajjah, the opinion here, perhaps his hadith might be accepted if it has supporting narrations. But unfortunately in this case, the supporting narrations 
are equally weak or worse. And therefore they shouldn't be used as supporting narrations. And the weakness of the narrator, Hamad ibn Isa, also is severe to the extent that that severity of weakness, really, it shouldn't be considered uh, for mutaba'ah to look at the other reports which might support it to see if it can be raised up. But in general, it should be rejected. When the reporter and the isnad, when one reporter in the isnad has a very severe weakness, in that case, we shouldn't even look to try to find supporting evidences to raise it up. Because the doubtfulness of what he has reported is too severe for us to take a chance and attribute it to the sharia. And it becomes a part of the law of Allah. And this is a very dangerous thing if we accept something that's really doubtful. When the narrator is very weak, then his hadith is very doubtful. When he's a little weak, his hadith is doubtful, but that doubt might be removed by other people who narrated the same thing similar to him. Then we will say, well, here in this case, perhaps he was correct in his narration. But when he is very weak, it's too doubtful for us to use it. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Leave that which makes you doubt. For that about which there is no doubt. And he also said, إِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيْنَ وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيْنَ وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٍ لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ This hadith, he said in the end of it, or in the middle of it, that whoever falls into the doubtful matters has fallen into that which is haram. And whoever avoids the doubtful matters protects themselves in reference to their honor and their deen. Therefore, if we are not sure about something, it's better to avoid it and to leave it. And not to attribute it to Allah or attribute it to the Messenger of Allah and make it a part of the Sharia, the divine law of Allah, and force people to practice something or to leave something based on that which is doubtful, which we are not certain about. Because if we affirm it as an acceptable hadith hasan, it means that we will be forcing people to accept it as a practice as part of the Sharia. Did he say they made adhan? بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين